This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Here's tonight man a lot of shit going down um (laughs) Dwight Howard moved um there's still talks about Harden being moved now I'm here in Philly (laughs) um Christian Wood another big name who the Knicks were you know targeting prior to the Toppin uh noise which obviously they eventually drafted Toppin but he um signed with Houston and boy, did they get a fucking bargain on him. They got a bargain. I think they're paying him $9 million a year for the next, what was it, four, maybe? I mean, yeah, that was a you know mid-level production deal for a guy who's going to give you, you know, some good numbers, I think. Um, a lot of shit. A lot of shit. You know, the, the Hayward thing is still in talks. So we're going to get into that a bit. Um... Who else? A lot. A lot went down. Uh, the the rooster will not be making his Madison Square Garden reunion, unfortunately. One of the top guys I asked for, but uh, I think Danilo signed with Atlanta for four years, and he deserves that contract. Heavy contract, but he deserved it. He had a great, one of his better career years. Um, Marcus Morris will not be coming home either. Um, you know, just like that, Knicks fans forgot all about this guy. Um, he is going back to LA, the Clippers. And, uh, yeah, so, so some shit is going down. Uh, there's a lot of other moves that went down that I didn't even mention, but a lot of stuff. Um, last time out in episode 180, um, the other night on Wednesday night, I recorded, um, my reaction to my reaction to the NBA draft and, you know, the Knicks draft picked, uh, draft picks, fucking can't talk. Um, and, uh, so, you know, we discussed that for a while and tonight we're basically, you know, going to reiterate some things and review it again and talk about the number eight and talk about the Knicks number 25 and talk about, you know, the other picks they traded for, um, that come in, uh, you know, two years from now. Um, and then we're going to discuss a lot of this free agency shit, you know, and then we'll wrap it up. So stick around. It's going to be a good show. Um, thank you for tuning in, though. Uh, again, I'm Rob Carbone. I'm your host of the podcast of BD4. Um, BD4, where there's no better way, no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Um, we are sponsored by Anchor, uh, the best place to get your podcast Um so thank you for stopping by. Thank you for tuning in. Guys, if you haven't subscribed yet to BD4, subscribe to the podcast right the fuck now. Um, 
Go on YouTube and subscribe to us. You can actually watch the podcast or you can continue listening to the podcast um, on all the platforms or any platform uh, that you get your podcast from, we will probably be on. So in order to find that, all that information, where to follow the uh, podcast and subscribe to it and where to follow me on social media and where to follow the blog and all that stuff, just go to my website. That's all you got to do. Type in nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. That will take you to my page. And that displays all that information. So, guys, thank you for stopping by. Episode 181 of BD4 tonight. BD4, where there's no better way to get your analysis. analysis. Alright, so we're going to head to our first break. And when we get back, I guess we'll, you know, we'll get into things a little bit here on Friday night. Alright, be right back. Hey guys, so real quick before we get back to the show, just want to make sure that if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, do that right now. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast, and if you want, subscribe to the blog and follow me on social media, just go to my website nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Guys, thank you so much, and let's get back to BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Brought to you by Anchor. Yeah, so, you know, Leon Rose drafts OB Toppin at number eight, then drafts um, later on, you know, after all those moves, selects Emmanuel quickly at 25, and then we end up with three 2023 draft picks. So, uh, yeah, we discussed all that a little bit. You know, we discussed Toppin. Um, listen, you know, it was, from what I see, looking around the internet and, um, you know, reading some articles and listening to some podcasts personally, from what I'm seeing, hearing, and, and, and getting the sense of here, it seems like Toppin was a very split he split the fan base in half. And, you know, a lot of times with the Knicks especially, that's going to happen. You have a very, you know, uh, I guess controversial, you know, uh, draft pick here. Um, the folks that like him, like him because he's talented and he's going to give the Knicks, uh, Knicks fans something to watch. And, you know, he has hope in him as a very talented offensive player. The folks that don't like him obviously are very, very... Uh, eerie, and I am too, of his uh, defense. And so, you know, overall though, you know, I'm not trying to get too high. I'm not trying to get too low. I I like the pick. I think it was a good pick. I think if there's one draft where you can do the whole talent overfit thing, um, it, it's this year's draft, right? Uh, you, know, you go for the guy, the best guy available. Um, Killian Hayes was picked at seven, so you weren't getting him. Lewis Jr., you know, the Knicks, I, I never really thought they were too interested in him. So I think Toppin was a good pick, you know. Again, he was number three on my list. Um, so I, I gave, you know, if we're going to give it a grade, I, I would like to think uh, I would give it in the B range, right? B-ish, you know, B, B plus, something in the B range, B minus, anywhere from there. Um, you know, I don't think it was amazing. I don't think it was undoubtedly the pick you need to like. And on the flip side, again, I don't think it's a pick that, you know, you shouldn't like and you shouldn't understand the, the 
reasoning for it. You know, I think it's something that you should kind of just wait and see. You know, you can't really grade it right now, but you know, from from the surface, it looks like it's a solid pick. Um, obviously, Toppin again brings a lot to the table offensively. Uh, the athleticism is well above average. You know, he's an excellent finisher at the rim. He's going to throw down some flashy highlight dunks, you know, put himself on the reel along with Mitchell Robinson, you know, bring some excitement and energy to MSG again. Um, you know, he's also a good passer. He's really good at passing for a big. We talked about this and how, you know, being a, a big that can pass the ball and share the rock is perfect for a coach like Tom Thibodeau, you know, who, who's used his bigs in the past to uh, dish the ball. Um, and this is the opposite of Julius Randle, right? Where the ball sticks in Randle's hands when he has it. Um, but as for Toppin, he's going to he's gonna share the ball. He's going to make the smart move. Um, strong post game. I don't think we touched on that. You know, we forgot. Uh, but he does have a very good post game. He, he's strong in the post. He's got a very strong upper body. Um, so I think that, uh, again, is a benefit. And that goes hand in hand. With his passing ability, because he's very good at passing out of the post um, across the court, hitting the the open wing in the corner. Um, so, you know that uh, he rebounds a decent rebounder. You know, it's got to improve. You know, he only averaged what seven and a half against some weak competition as a six nine forward. Got to improve, but I think the rebounding is decent enough to where it will be there right away. Um, you know, he'll he'll be enough out of the gate. Um, eventually he's going to have to improve there, improve his fundamentals on the glass and, you know, things like that. But I think out of the gate, he will be a good rebounder, um, to an extent. And then there's the shooting potential. Um, you know, we're going to discuss that right now. Um, and then, you know, he's a New York guy, you know, cliche alert, right? <laughs> but, you know, he seems like he's going to be a New York City guy who who will really fit in well here um, just in terms of being able to handle it. Um, you know, if you listen to the interview, you can tell. You know, again, it sounds cliche, but you watch the interview when, when he got drafted. You know, this kid wants to be here. He, he was born in Brooklyn, NYC. So, um, obviously going to be playing in Midtown Manhattan and not the fake Nets. But so he, he looks like he's a New York guy. Um, he looks like he's born to be a Nick. Um, so, you know, again, you like it. You like the talent. You like the, you know, potential here. Um, now, here is where it gets tricky. Here's why Here's why people are very skeptical. Uh, skeptical. It, it's, it's what I call the two swing factors, okay? So, so the two swing factors of his career, you know, what will depict uh, his fit with the Knicks what is going to determine his fit with the Knicks? I think it's going to be shooting, if he can continue to improve as a shooter, and defense. Those two things are going to define how he fits with his Knicks squad, right? As for shooting, you know, again, he was good in college. The numbers were good. Both seasons he played at Dayton, um, he shot efficiently from downtown. The NBA three-point arc is a little further back. So you have to put that into you know into your thoughts, um, and again we took talent over fit. So we still need a point guard to set Obi Toppin up because this is a guy Toppin who did a lot of catch and shooting and a lot of pick and popping, you know, on the wings and the corners. You know he wasn't always setting himself up. A lot of his 
makes were off the catch. Um, so we still need a point guard. That's something to think about. And and as good as he was at school, shooting the three ball and, and making free throws at a decent rate, you know, 42% on threes and 71% on the, uh, on the free throw line, he only averaged 1.6 three-point attempts per game in two seasons, and he only averaged 3.6 free throws. So it's a very, you know, decent efficiency, but a very low volume. Is that enough to feel confident when you consider the arc's going to be, you know, at NBA level? The, the Knicks still don't have a point card to distribute him properly. Um, so you have to think about it, right? Um, you hope that he can become a great shooter, a good shooter even. You know, just, just be able to stretch the floor a little bit and play the floor position inside and outside the arc. Um, but, you know, if the shooting doesn't translate, it's not good. Right, it's a very high risk draft pick, right? Because if the shooting doesn't translate into the NBA and if he shoots below 35%, 30%, if he looks like Randall, right, that's really bad. That would be a terrible front court pairing with Robinson. You have two interior minded bigs who cannot stretch the floor, who have no moves outside the RA. That will be an issue. That's not going to work long term. That's not even going to work short term. It would just fuck everything up. The spacing would be off. Defenses would read the Knicks offense. It'd be so predictable. Um, he won't be able to mesh with Mitch. Um, RJ is going to be starting. Won't be able to mesh with RJ. He can't shoot. It would just be a, a fucking nightmare if the top and pick ends up being a guy who, who can only score score on the inside and in the post. Right, it's exactly what we saw this season with Randall Robinson and Mitch and uh and RJ sharing the floor together. No spacing, so you're gonna have to hope that he can improve the shooting from the four spot. Um, but again, if it does translate, there you go. That's a big upgrade over Randall. The spacing is gonna look a lot better. Oh, that's gonna look so much better if you can. <laughs> um, and and maybe you know with those defensive flaws that we're gonna touch on right now. Maybe if he can, you know, carry that shooting potential into the NBA, maybe that'll mitigate those defensive uh, deficiencies, right? Maybe that will make it a little easier to live with and, and, you know, make him more of a positive impact player. Um, but the defense is going to have to improve regardless, right? It's a whole lot of mess right now with Toppin's defense. Um, to say his defense is miserable would be complimenting him, you know. Um, it's the pick and roll defense where he's just astronomically terrible. Um, you know, specifically guarding quicker players in space really gets, gets the best of him, um, or, or brings out the worst in him rather, you know, he's got very poor lateral quickness. He's athletic, but his lateral quickness, uh, quickness defensively is fucking going to make it an issue if he continues to get exposed out there in space. Um, He's got a low IQ, and it's a little concerning, being that he's 22 years old, and, and you know he's older for his class. He's already pretty more, you know, pretty much polished, fucking. So, um, and some of it, some of it is commitment issues. Um, got to just commit more and stay focused, and not be lackadaisical. Um, when you look at him defend, it seems like his stance and positioning isn't great. His center of gravity is way too high. You know, he, he's standing upright a lot, kind of like when you watch Blake Griffin, right? Um, someone who stands very tall, like they can't bend. Um, and eventually he's going to have to, you know, build some lower body strength. And 
I don't know, man. I just hope it can improve, you know, because if that defense doesn't improve, it, Jesus, even a little bit, you know, he's going to be become a, a plug-in off the bench, right? Like Portis was, you know, he's going to have to play with certain players if he's going to get time. You know, Mitchell Robinson will have to share the floor with him, you know, to, to again, to mitigate those defensive deficiencies. And um, I think if you're going to make this work, again, you have to trade Julius Randle, Okay. Going to get to that in a second, um, but again, he's 22 years old. How much more room does he have to grow as a defensive player? You know, most guys. You know, he spent four years in high school. Didn't he hasn't fucking improved there? Two years at Dayton still hasn't improved. Not even gotten good. He still hasn't even changed as a defender. He's always been bad. So it's something to be concerned about. I'm not. I'm not going to bullshit you. Um, you know, on the flip side, you know, being 22 means his best years are going to come sooner than the other guys in this class, right? Um, and he's cost-controlled going into them. You know, so that's, I guess, the, the positive spin that you could put on it if you wanted to. Um, and if the defense does improve, you know, to at least average or somewhere near that, um, you know, it make, obviously it makes the, the pick a lot much better, and I think people will buy into him more. Um, I think Leon Rose will look like an absolute genius. You know, I think if the defense improves, um, along with that shooting, I think you have an all-star player in your hands, somebody who can give you 20 and 10, um, against Stoudemire with a jump shot is what I like to call him, a young stat. Um, and, you know, so, you know, some of those defensive deficiencies he has are coachable, right? Um, so you hope. You know, you like to take that as a positive as well. That maybe, you know, Tibbs being a, a defensive-minded head coach can kind of get on his ass a little bit and get him to improve in certain areas. Um, and then Kenny Payne being a, a coach who's uh, worked well with big men in the past. Um, so we'll see. But those two things are definitely the swing factor, right? If the shooting is sustained and the defense improves somewhat, it's an excellent pick. Uh, but on the flip, if the shooting does not translate and the defense continues to be, you know, an issue, if it remains poor, um, then you've got yourself a bust, right? It's kind of a boomer bust pick in terms of the fit. Um, you know, Amari Stoudemire or you're getting, you know, fucking Randall Cantor, you know, puts up stats, but doesn't translate to winning. Um, you know, Anthony Bennett. <laughs> that was the name I threw out there earlier on Facebook. Fuck. But really, really, are you getting that Stoudemire type of guy? Or are you getting the guy like Cantor, Randall, who who puts up empty production? That's what his career, it's, it's going to be one or the other, right? Could very well be. Um, and you have to think, was his success at Dayton? Some people are thinking that was due to weak competition, low conference school. I don't know. You know, I don't like to put too much into that because I do think he still has potential. I do think the offensive game will be there. Um, you're just going to have to hope that D improves, right? Because fucking, you know, that was why Melo didn't pan out in NYC. His defense was so fucking bad. That was why, you know, that's why Ennis Cancer, before and after his Knicks tenure, he's bounced around so many teams. His defense was pathetic in pick and roll. Um, so, you know, we don't want that to become a thing with Toppin. It looks like it could, you know, but we hope it doesn't. Um, I, I, again, I like the pick, man. I'm just, I'm very, very fucking concerned with that defense. And I've always been. 
But again, overall, the top and pick, I give it a, a solid B. All right, for now. On the surface, it looks like a B pick. Um, speaking of Julius Randle, he's got to get traded to make this work. There's no way Randle, Mitch, and Toppin can play the floor, uh, can play at the same time. You've got Toppin and Mitch, who, I'm sorry, Toppin and Randle, who just cannot defend to save their lives. Um, so, you know. If Toppin's shooting doesn't translate, you've got Toppin and Mitch who don't stretch the floor. So you got to trade Randall. That's the only guy who's got to be traded. Who He can't shoot. He can't defend. Get him the fuck out of New York. You know, there's been a lot uh, of names tossed around. Um, the Rozier and Monk thing has been you know, a, a thing for months now. I initially hated it, but at this point, you know, we're desperate to find a partner here. I wouldn't be against it anymore. I would fucking take on the bad contract from Rogier, I guess, if we could swap it with Randall and, and you know take Monk and return to to sweeten the pot. Um, but but if I'm Leon Rose, you know this may be a little unrealistic here, but I am calling Sacramento. Um, I know Buddy Heald wants out. See what's up. You know he's been unhappy in Sacramento and he's made that known. Um, Kyle Kuzma. With the Lakers, his name has been in, in the headlines for being traded ever since LeBron was there. Um, even before, right? That's been a hot topic for a while now. You know, that would be interesting if we could find a way to, to swap them. You know, reunite, reunite, reunite Randall with his former team and put him in a better role as a backup to AD, right? A sixth man instead of being the number fucking one option on the Knicks. Uh, and then the Knicks, you know, they would get in return a much-needed shooting wing. Um, that's huge in Kuzma. Uh, but regardless of who, again, it has to happen, right? You need to let Obi top and develop. Um, it would just be a terrible pairing if they were to play together. And diminishing the role of Toppin, you don't want that. You want to develop him. And diminishing the role of Randall, I just don't think that'll work. Um, so if it doesn't happen, you just drafted a backup as your number eight fucking pick. Right, so again, it's a boomer bust type of selection in terms of uh, his fit here. So, gotta get Randall out of here by by opening night. You know, tip off is in a fucking month. So, <laughs> um, Knicks also drafted Emmanuel quickly. <clears throat> right, the the Kentucky ties there with Kenny Payne. Uh, Calipari had has talked about quickly. Uh, a decent amount, and he says he's a he's a really good NBA player. He says he's going to make for a good player in this league, and that you know, <clears throat> look for quickly to make an impact right away as a shooter. He was forty three percent from downtown on, on almost five attempts this past year, and he hit an incredibly high rate of his free throws at ninety two percent on five point two attempts this past season. So I, I think he'll be an NBA ready player. I think he'll be a you know point guard coming off the bench. Um, you know, the most minutes he'll get is, you know, normal bench minutes. Uh, the likely scenario maybe starts out as a reserve point guard. And, you know, it doesn't get much time, but I think they need to play him as much as they can um, as long as he continues to shoot the ball well, right? The swing factors here are, can he run the point guard enough? You know, does he fit a point guard because he's more of a tweener? Um, and can he play D at the NBA level? Um, again, this is somebody who's 188 pounds at 6'3". Um, you know, so he's not, not not extremely athletic either, quickly. So that's going to be a liability, uh, but but how much, right? 
he does have a 6'8 wingspan, so he can kind of uh, disrupt the passing lanes and stuff. But, you know, his defense and his, you know, undersized frame is going to depict how much minutes he gets at the NBA. You know, how many how many minutes is he going to play on the floor? Uh, you know, as a guy who could shoot but not really do much else. But I do like the quickly pick. I think it's solid. I think, again, you need shooting, you get shooting. So, um Knicks signed Miles Powell. He went undrafted, but the Knicks picked him up, I think, a night after the draft. Uh, 23-year-old guard from Seton Hall. Played there for four seasons. Um, averaged 18-3-2 over the course of his career there. And 21-4-3 um, this past year, uh, shooting 40% from the flea, uh, field. I was going to say floor. And 31% from downtown. Um, that was on nine three-point attempts a game, too. Um, you know, he's a bit inconsistent, but he is a good scorer off the bounce. He likes to score with the ball in his hands, and um, he's very ball-dominant, scoring-focused guy. Uh, you know, shot. No, sorry, we crashed there for a second, but quickly, the, you know, the shot selection can be iffy. Um, defensively, defensively, he's fucking not that good either, but... I'm oh, sorry, not quickly. Uh, we're talking about Miles Powell. Sorry. Um... And, you know, in those four years at Seton Hall, some up and down percentages when you look at the three-point shooting especially. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, again, an undrafting, so you take it, whatever. You take a flyer on Powell, see what he can give you. He probably won't even be here long-term anyway, so. Um, the Knicks traded for those three 2023 second-round draft picks. Um, I think the main reason for that is because we're hearing that in 2023, that will be the first year where you can, um, you'll be able to draft a high school prospect, right? That's the first year they're going to make that legal, uh, legal and fucking, hey man, fucking, you know, Mitchell Robinson. That's what I think of that. They got Mitchell Robinson pretty much out of high school. Didn't go to college. Um, so <laughs> fucking I'll take it. Uh, if that's what they're trying to do, you know, get younger, get as young as you can. Um, you know, uh, what was it two nights ago on draft night? The Knicks, or, or was it last night? Uh, the Knicks waived a, a large portion of their roster as expected, you know, to clear cap, open up $40 million in cap space. Um, $30 million now with the signing um, they made with, with uh, fucking uh, Davis and um, uh, Alec Burks. We're going to touch on it in a second. But they cleared up some cap space. Fucking, you know, Portis, gone. Gibson, gone. Peyton, gone. Ellington, gone. Thank God. Uh, Pinson's gone. Uh, Dotson's likely gone, unfortunately. Um, and Kenny Wooten, unfortunately. You know, that was my... I was hoping he could have been, you know, a backup center. Huh. He's gone. You know, the Knicks uh, waved him. And, uh, damn, man, I, I liked him. But, you know, it, it makes sense. You got Toppin. That's going to be your guy. Uh, and you have Mitch at the five. Um... So they cleared some cap, and, and obviously for free agency, right? Free agency is here. Free agency is, is already off to a hot start. Um, some big signings tonight, as mentioned. Um, the Hayward thing is still going on. That's interesting. You know, the, the whole thing with Indiana. Uh, the Celtics going to try and do a sign-in trade. I'm hearing Hayward wants four years, 100. I would not go that far. I would not pay him 25 for four years each. Uh, 25 each. Fuck No. <laughs> I would, you know, 
I would try to keep it 15 million AAV for three years. You know, that's the highest I would go. You know, 45 million for three years. But that's unrealistic because, you know, again, this guy wants 25. He wants 10 million more per year. Uh, and he wants a long deal. So uh, it's not happening with the Knicks. Um, you know, he's a good scorer, a good shooter, distributor, good rebounder, good all around offensive player. Um, you know, a high IQ vet, but for an injury-prone guy who's over the age of 30 now and obviously that big leg injury, you don't overpay for that. You you, you get outbid if you need to. Don't go into a bidding war. I would fucking hate overpaying for, for Hayward. You know, let Hayward go to Indiana. I think they're offering Miles Turner, Oladipo, and, and maybe TJ Warren, you know, two of those three guys. Um, that's what I'm hearing. Let that happen. I would stay far away from him um, for that price. Uh, but what does the market look like for the Knicks? We still need a point guard. Um, obviously, Fred Van Vliet would have been you know, a decent pick. Stellar defense, decent scoring, some shooting, and good playmaking. But um, I'm hearing he's uh, about to sign back in Toronto. I don't think it's official. I don't think anything is happening. But I'm hearing that he wants to sign there and they want him. So there's that. <laughs> And plus, this guy's gonna—he's gonna want to get paid. Um, so if the Knicks were gonna have to pay him, they would have to pay the premium, you know, uh, compared to any other team who was um, chasing after. And he said it himself. He's trying to get paid. Uh, he was on JJ Rex's podcast the other night, and he said, "I'm trying to get paid, man. I am not shy about that." So <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I don't think he's coming here, you know, uh, which makes the point guard situation a little more fucking uh, nerve-wracking right now. Um, we really need to figure this shit out. We really do. What the fuck are we doing? Who's going to play point guard for the Knicks? Um, you need a quarterback. You can't just go into a season without a fucking quarterback. Um, do you bring Peyton back? I don't. Fuck. Don't want him back, but uh, who's going to play point guard? Who is it? <laughs> there, There's... I don't know, man. You know, do you, do you, do you go to your, you know, your, your fallback? plans here and chase DJ Augustine or a Jeff Teague that might be what you have to do do you call Washington you know John Wall wants out I don't know don't love John Wall don't like that idea big contract won't be the same um, but I don't know you might have to fucking do something man you don't have a point guard right now um, you did need shooting wings. You still need them. But the Knicks did do something optimistic earlier tonight. They they went out and they signed uh, Alec Burks. So, you know, nothing special. But they gave him $6 million for 2021. And I think that's big. You know, it's a bargain. You know, a decent player who can give you decent production. That's exactly what this is. A low-risk, decent reward signing. Um, one year for $6 million. So that's, that's nothing. Um... In 2020, for both Golden State and Philadelphia, um, Alec Burks averaged 15 points, four rebounds, and three assists, and he did so shooting 42% from the floor and 39, 39% from distance, uh, averaging 4.6 attempts for, uh, per game. Uh, and he played every game, he played all 66 games of the 2020 season. So he's a good scorer, man, a good shooting wing who can play the two guard. Uh, and you can play all the way up to the three. Um, so Alec Burke is not a bad idea. I really like that signing. I think it was smart. So what do you do to start the season? Do you go Frank or DSJ at the one? Um, Burks maybe at the two to start. 
Um, he hasn't started much in his career, but you know, with the Knicks, you know, a bottom team in the league, maybe he starts at the two. You go RJ at the three. Hopefully, Toppin over Randall at the four, and then Mitch at the five. Uh, I think that's what you do to start out. Off the bench, you've got Knox, you've got Iggy. Hopefully, Iggy can can start to get some big league action here. Um, you've got one of Frank or DSJ. You've got hopefully not Randall. Hopefully, he's traded. But um, you know, and you you got a couple other guys. So yeah, I would like to sign. Some other wings out there. Uh, Joe Harris still out there. Gallinari obviously again just signed. Um, Davies Berton's still out there. Don't think that's going to be realistic. He's going to want a ton, and I don't think the Knicks. Uh, I heard they were pursuing him, but I don't know how real that was, and I don't know the source. I, I just don't think they end up with him as much as I want Davies Berton's to, to bring us some shooting from the four spot uh, off the bench. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it's realistic. He, he's a starter, too, and, and we have Toppin. In and maybe Toppin comes off the bench to bring some energy, uh, the bench to bring some energy. But I fucking, I don't know, man. It's fucking interesting. You know, the the, the main thing here, we, we need a point guard. Are we really going to go into the season Giving Frank or DSJ another shot here, uh, it looks like it. it. Looks like it right now. But hearing talks of a Carmelo Anthony reunion, please don't do that. Love Melo, appreciated his time here. Didn't work out, and it's not going to work out a second time. It's just him and Toppin pairing them in the front court. It's a nightmare. Holy fuck. Um, Malik Beasley, another name. Actually, ah oh, fuck, Malik did just sign tonight, didn't he? Yep, there goes that. He signed with Minnesota. Well, I didn't think he was going to. You know, they drafted uh, Edwards. They they brought back Rubio, and they also have uh, Jared Culver on their roster. So I didn't think uh, Malik Beasley was going to go back there, but he did. So there goes that dream. Um, another name, under the radar name, I've heard about was Jordan McRae. I think I didn't even hear this guy until I read about him, but... He's been in the league five years and played for five teams, so something to think about there. He's bounced around for a reason. Um, he's okay. He's an okay, you know, reserve point guard, shooting guard type. Um, 29-year-old guy. He's he, I think he played for Washington this past season, and he averaged 12 points um, on 36 from downtown. Um, but without Bradley Beal in the lineup, when he was not in the lineup, uh, McRae was 20 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists on 45% from the arc. So, you know, showed some spark off the bench as a scorer and, um, you know, maybe give you some punch as a reserve who can shoot the ball a little bit and give the Knicks um, something credible in the wing position, at the wing positions or, or the fucking uh, guard position. You know, I don't know. Again, there's going to be a lot of fallback options right now because guys are signing left and right tonight, big money contracts, um, some bargains. So I don't fucking know. You know, the Knicks are going to have to to jump quickly here and, and make some moves. Uh, the Burks signing was decent, but it's going to take a lot more than Alec Burks to get this Knicks some complimentary, uh, complimentary fucking pieces. To get the Knicks some complimentary pieces. So we'll see. Um, if there's one thing I don't want this season... You know, if there's one thing I really don't want to fucking see is the Knicks go out there and tank again. I, I'm done with tanking. Um, 
And when I say tanking, I mean trying to lose and and just being miserable and hard to watch again. Listen, I'm done with it. I don't want to hear about fucking Cade Cunningham. I don't want to fucking hear about this amazing draft class coming up like I did with Zion, you idiots. You people say this every fucking year, and I'm sick and tired of hearing about tanking. I'm tired of it. The Knicks need to start winning. All right, I'm not a loser with a loser mentality like half of you younger fans. I'm not like that, man. I want to fucking see them win. I want to see it happen now. I want to see some improvement, all right? Um, As Breen said, Mike Breen said on MSG the other night, nobody wants to fucking play for 20-win teams. That's why they failed to get KD, Kyrie, and that whole fiasco. Um, It's time to get some complimentary pieces, try try to establish a fucking foundation here, start winning. Try to, you know, let the kids develop, let them get their run, their minutes, you know, aim for 30, 35 wins, an eight seed, you know, work your way up, you know, slowly but surely, start becoming attractive again, make MSG great again, all right? Um, It's got to be, you know, it's got to be it for the whole tanking thing. You've got to start showing improvement or else people are just going to continue to fucking laugh at you. You're going to be in this fucking non-stop loop start winning start showing you want improvement okay and not to sound like i'm contradicting myself because i said the other night if we go after westbrook and try to take that shortcut that's stupid you have to try and do it with lower tier stars you know or just good complimentary guys and then work your way up from there you know if you get a westbrook again not to get too into it but Basically, what I said was he's going to take you out of lottery positioning just to be barely average for a couple of seasons, you know, with 35, 40 wins. I I don't like 35, 40 wins if it's because of a stopgap and we're not doing the right and we're not growing as a unit. The only way I accept 30, 35 wins is if it's this way, if the wins are coming from your younger squad who are going to be here for more than just you know, a three-year contract, right? If those 30, 35 wins come with a squad that's growing and you're seeing improvement each and every year, I will take the, you know, missing out on lottery positioning in the draft. I will take that. If if those 35, 40 wins are coming with Westbrook, a stopgap who's going to be gone in three years and leave you with nothing, you know, overhauling your entire roster and, you know, gutting your future, that's a fucking different story. But I will take a middle of the pack record if it means the young guys are getting minutes and the young guys are the reason we're starting to slowly um, you know creep towards that eight seed I will take it that way so hopefully the Knicks are doing the right thing hopefully Leon Rose and the savvy moves he's made so far as Nick GM continues to happen Um, I think you know you look at it ever since the Mills firing and ever since Rose has taken over I think there's been more good than bad Right, it's been small things, smart little, you know, small little smart moves. But overall, I, I think he's done a decent job. I, I don't think it's been anything crazy, but I think he's done enough to where I'm gonna ride with him. I'm gonna say, hey, you know, he, he's doing things that are that are small market, right? And that's the mentality you have to have when you're a team who hasn't won in a while. Um, you can use your money. Yes, but just do it smartly right now. Okay, don't act like a big market when you're 20 and whatever the fuck the Knicks were. You have to gain... You have, in order to get those big money stars and whatever the fuck, you have to fucking earn it. 
you have to become respectable first. Once you're respectable and fucking people don't laugh at you and make jokes about you on fucking ESPN all the time. Once you become a respectable NBA product, then you can start talking about the Giannis of the world, the ADs of the world, the fucking De'Aaron Fox who just resigned of the world. Not now. You know, we, we got we got a long way to go. Um, but I think it's a good, you know, start. You know, um, topping quickly, bunch of picks in the twenty-three draft. Ed Davis, backup big, I guess, and, and then Alec Burks. So we'll fucking see, man. We'll see. We're gonna head to break one more time, and then it might be our first break. I don't think we took a break yet. Uh, we did take one earlier. Uh, so we're going to hit the break one last time. And when we get back, I guess we'll get into the uh, the NYY, NYK question of the day. I'm Rob Carbone. I'm your host of BD4. Be right back. Hey, guys. So real quick, before we get back to the show. Just want to make sure that if you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, do that right now. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect. Once again, in order to subscribe to the podcast, and if you want, subscribe to the blog and follow me on social media, just go to my website, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect guys thank you so much and let's get back to bd4 where there is no better way to get your yankees and Knicks analysis brought to you by anchor all right so last time out in episode 180 180 on nick's draft night i asked you fellas um when was the last time heading into this season, aside from this season, this draft, aside from this draft, sorry, when was the last time the Knicks had two first-round picks? Uh, the answer to that question was the 2006 NBA draft when they took one of Toronto's picks. They had um, the 20th, where they took some guy named Ronaldo Bachman forward from uh, South Carolina, and then they took the 29th, uh, some guy Collins, a point guard from Temple. So... That was the last time the Knicks had two firsts in 2006. So, uh, the NYYMYK question of the day for episode 181 for tonight, for this episode. Who wore jersey number 40 for the Knicks in the late 90s and early 2000s? Okay, so who wore jersey number 40 for the Knicks back in the late 90s and early 2000s? Um, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Uh, this player came back to the Knicks in 2013 to wear that same number for a year. So he wore that same number in 2013. Uh, but played for the Knicks mostly in, in the uh, early 2000s and the late 90s. So who was that player who wore number 40 in the late 90s, early 2000s for the Knicks? Your hint, he came back to play for one more season in 2013 with the Knicks. So who is that guy? All right, so uh, give me the answer via Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, preferably Facebook or Instagram being that I'm not on Twitter nowadays, but if you want to reach me on Facebook or Twitter, that is at NY Sports Talk RC. And uh, if you want to reach me on Instagram, Rob J Carbone. All right. I am your host, Rob J Carbone. 
and this is episode 181 of the podcast of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, if you haven't subscribed to the podca- uh, podcast yet, please do so right now. Go to nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com forward slash connect, and that will take you to a page that displays all of my information. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It is a Friday night as I am recording. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. I am Rob Carbone. Once again, your host of BD4, and I will see you next time out. Thank you guys so much. All right, ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor. 